Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Good morning, everybody. I'm Andy Griffin, 909 on KDXU. And by the way, for what it's worth, it is Andy Griffith's birthday. Not my birthday, but the actual actor Andy Griffith. It's his birthday. He's passed away a few years ago, but I would have been 96 years old today. And I was going to open a show with some Andy Griffith quotes and stuff like that. But I, I'm not going to do that right now. But uh, anyway, happy birthday to Andy Griffith. It's also Brigham Young's birthday, for what that's worth as well. Uh, those of you that uh, remember him fondly. Okay, we don't remember him. Remember what he did, though. Uh, happy birthday to you, too, if it's your birthday out there. I'm Andy. I have special guest on for the first half hour of this show, Christy Sharp, who is a health, health educator at the Southwest Utah Public Health Department. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi. Good morning, Andy. Glad to be here. Thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Uh, it this is the first Wednesday of the month is usually the Dr. Blodgett Day, and doctor comes on, and, you know, I uh, we cover the gamut. We talk about pretty much anything he takes calls people try to stump him uh they never do because he's really smart yeah uh, but uh he had to be somewhere today and couldn't make it dave heaton was going to come on with you christy dave caught covid and so dave can't be here either so you're flying solo how do you feel about that i am i mean i'm a little nervous but i think <laughs> i think i'll do okay you'll um, be fine absolutely <laughs> absolutely I, and i like the topic that you brought uh i mean there's a lot of health things we can talk about you know is covid coming back how bad is it are there hospitalizations and and but you wanted to come here and talk a little bit about diabetes now this is an interesting disease because when I was a kid, if you knew somebody who was diabetic, it was something probably genetic. It, they were kind of, I hate to say it, but kind of the weird kid. They sometimes uh, had to stop and get shots uh, or sometimes they'd have to eat something. Oh, I got to hurry and eat something. I'm going to go into diabetic shock. It was, it was a very different and unusual thing. I think I knew, I had a cousin who was diabetic, so I knew him. But as far as school, I think I knew maybe two or three kids over the years that had diabetes. And, and so it was a rare thing. Times have changed, haven't they? They they really have. And I think what you're referring to is probably more knowledge about the type one, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. more is the onsets in childhood, adolescent. Um, but what's come to what's come to uh, public knowledge and unfortunately to commonality is type two. Yes. Tell yes. us about type two, what it is, who has it, how they got it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, first of all, I just want to be make a disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. Okay. Um, but so what I do in my role is just do basic education for the majority of us people, right? Something mm -hmm. that's easy to understand. And when we're talking about type 2, there's a precursor, which uh -huh. is pre-diabetes. Ooh, so we have a warning sign. We do have a warning sign. That's I, a good I, thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. We don't go to zero to 60 just like that. There's a speed in between. Right. And really when you're in that pre-diabetes phase, mm -hmm. you can delay and most likely prevent the onset Ooh. of diabetes, which when you get into type 2 diabetes and being um, 
diagnosed with that specific disease, there's a lot of complications that come from that. And so it's really important to really pay attention when your doctor indicates, hey, you are Mm pre-diabetic. And so ask those questions. Um, You know, how is it related then, type 1 and type 2? I mean, it, it all has to do with how much sugar is in our blood? Basically, or how does that work? Yeah, it it has to do with the body's ability to either um, make insulin or Mm. or to metabolize the insulin. So, so So that's why, even though they're kind of different, they're kind of the same too. Yes, type one and type two. I'm talking about. Yes, yes. It it all has to do with with the insulin. Again, please ask your doctor for more specifics because that's not. I don't go into the depth of the the clinical aspect of how all that interacts mm-hmm. in your body. Okay. Uh, I have some people I know. Uh, we all do probably at this point know people who have type 2 diabetes. Uh, what what are maybe some of the tests that will help us find that out? And what are some of the indicators that uh, we know we might have a problem, Christy? So... It's interesting because there's a lot of different statistics out there mm-hmm. that I can obviously put out there. Sure. Um, but eight, a good rule of thumb is eight out of ten people here in Utah do have prediabetes. Really? That high a number, huh? Yes. But the interesting thing is most of those people don't even know they have it. Hmm. So we're all, we all could be walking around. So me. (laughs) Or you. Me, me, right? Mm -hmm. And so because it used to, there used to be this assumption, okay, maybe if I'm overweight, that then that could put me at risk. But we know now that there's a lot of indicators Mm -hmm. that can put us all at risk. Um, Some of those are a family history um, maybe you were pregnant and you had gestational diabetes. My that, wife had that, yeah. That puts you at risk. With our last child. She couldn't eat sugar for like four months. It killed her almost. <laughs> so so that will actually put your wife at risk for really? pre-diabetes. Hmm. And so, um, you know, high blood pressure is another one that people may not recognize. Oh, wow, this puts me at risk. High cholesterol. Hmm. So a lot of, there's all these different indicators. Most commonly people do recognize the A1C as that solid test to indicate. So is that A1C, what, is that a blood test? It, it is. Okay. It is. It's, and it, what it does is it measures, it measures your glucose levels over a three-month period. So oh, it's, okay. really, it's really a more accurate test to kind of give you a percentage over those three months versus just testing your blood sugar in the morning or evening, um, which is most common when you already have type 2 because it's important that you realize what triggers you, what foods trigger you, Mm -hmm. activities trigger you. But again, we're focusing on prediabetes, right? So if you have all these risk factors, um, and then, of course, the older we get, <laughs> the more at risk we become, too. Sure. So it's really important to talk with your doctor about getting that A1C test. So some of the things we'd be looking for, A1C test is, is one, uh, but uh, high blood pressure is an indicator, high BMI. 
Yes. Right? High uh, cholesterol. Those are three big ones right there. Uh, I am I've had a weird health journey the last couple of years. I I gained a whole bunch of weight because I had some problems with my feet and I couldn't work out and it, it's a whole long story, but I've been tested multiple times for diabetes. I, I at least so far I'm not even uh, well, I don't know if I'm pre, but I am not diabetic at this point even though it's doctor doc, oh you've got to be. Well, I wasn't. Uh but uh I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have high cholesterol. Even though I am, I would fit in the BMI, you know, too, too big a BMI category. So, uh, are there any other things maybe we should be looking for, Christy, with uh, to, to might indicate we're pre-diabetic? Well, and that and that's an interesting thing, Andy, is that there are no symptoms. Really. Hmm. And so that's, that's not fair. <laughs> no, 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 it's not, and that's why it's all about awareness and mm-hmm. getting the education out and. I mean, I like to say it really comes down to there's three things you can do. Okay. So you can increase your physical activity, mm-hmm. um, especially with COVID. Maybe a lot of us just became more sedentary little, than what we normally would have. Potato, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, we did see Netflix um, memberships <laughs> decreased. Yeah, by a lot. <laughs> and so, Disney Plus yeah. and Hulu <laughs> right. and all those, yeah. So hopefully those people are now, oh, I'm going to be out and be more active, right? Mm-hmm. So increasing your physical activity, because that physical activity just impacts us in so many ways. Ment- our mental health and our physical health. Um, and then increasing your vegetable intake. Oh, right? vegetables. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so, so really... You know, be more conscious about um, how much you eat, increasing those healthy fruits and vegetables. Um, Understandable. Just just getting more quality food in your diet. And the last big one is drink more water. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Yeah, you got me right in the drink more water. I don't drink enough for sure. Uh, But that's that's good advice. Uh, You know, I... I think it's interesting. I have some friends, uh, a couple of friends that love salads. They just love salads. And I'm like, hey, you're doing a really good job. A lot of vegetables in there. And then they take about a half a bottle of ranch and pour it all over their salad. And I'm over here eating, you know, meat and potatoes. And and I'm like, you know, you just put more fat on your salad than I have in my entire, you know, hamburger and and french fries or whatever or, or close to it. And they're like, no, I'm eating the salad. I'm being healthy. Well, so... <laughs> So, you know, there's, I don't know whether just our human, our humanness comes into play. We just want (laughs) to, some things are good, some things are bad, but I like to encourage people, stay away from that language, right? Just, if you're trying to make a change, um, and if it takes some ranch to consume that, Sure. Vegetable, then do that in moderation, right? Everything in moderation. Um, and that that actually, you could be Doctor Blodgett sitting right there because that's one <laughs> of the things he always says is moderation. He said, you know, I asked him once about soda pop. I asked him about processed, you know, lunch meat and things like that. He says, look, I'm never going to tell you not to have anything. Right. What I'm going to tell you is, if you have to have a soda pop, have one occasionally. Right. You know, once once every couple of days or whatever. If you have to have, uh, you know, a ham sandwich, you don't have to have a ham sandwich all the time. You don't have to put ham in your omelet and ham in your just have a ham sandwich occasionally, moderately. Yes, <laughs> yes. And also when you're making the journey from 
you know, maybe you are in this pre-diabetic range or even you're diabetic and you're trying to control your blood sugar more so you can feel better. Just really thinking about, okay, what are some simple, easy changes that I can make? Mm. Maybe I'm used to consuming, I don't know, two sodas a day, right? So maybe I th- I challenge myself, let me just decrease that to mm-hmm. one soda. Yeah. And just making those subtle but easy changes. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of um, weight loss programs fail because it's not... You try to take on too much. Yeah, exactly. So be easy on yourself. And there are, you know, when you test in this pre-diabetes range, there are programs out there. There's the National um, Diabetes Prevention Program. Mm -hmm. And so here um, in southern Utah, Intermountain has the Way to Health Program. And then there's also one through the University of Utah Um, And if there's more information about other resources out there that can help people on this journey to make those lifestyle changes, they can always reach out to the Southwest Utah Public Health Department, visit our website, and there's a form that they can fill out to to even see if they're at risk. SWUHealth.org, I believe, is the website, right? Yes, yes. uh, Definitely a lot of information there. Uh, let's talk as we get closer to becoming a diabetic. Uh, we've, we're, we're in the pre-diabetes. We know what's coming. We talked about making some little changes. But what, what, I mean, this is something that you said is reversible. We can stop this. Uh, and, and some of the ways we stopped is have a better diet. Is there anything else? Diet and exercise, because I, I hear that over and over. You know, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. Is there anything else we can do if we feel like we're at risk? Well, number one, visit your doctor. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Be an active participant while you're there. Yes, yes, exactly. Ask questions because a lot of times, Mm -hmm. you know, us, you know, just be an informed consumer, even when it comes to your health. So, you know, they're taking blood work. Ask those questions. Okay, what blood work did you take? Yeah. Um, Be invested in what those levels are. Know that the pre-diabetic range for an A1C test is 5.7 to 6.4. So if your A1C is in that range, even though your doctor may not say you are pre-diabetic, which Mm -hmm. which typically they do inform you, um, but if you notice that, then that means you are in that range. And so with healthy lifestyle changes, you you can reverse that. We live in a great place, uh, and let's talk about the exercise part of it. Uh, if I go for a walk every night, is that good enough? I, I just heard something, I think it was a national on Fox News, saying, well, you really need 60 minutes of vigorous exercise three times a week. And I'm just like, I don't know if I have time to go ride a spin bike for 60 minutes three times a week. You know, uh, We're all so busy. Uh, going for a walk, is that going to help? It is. So the recommendation is 150 minutes per week. So Mm -hmm. you break that up however fits your lifestyle. And you can even break it up into smaller increments throughout the day, right? Maybe you take a 15-minute walk during Mm -hmm. your lunch break or a 15-minute walk in the morning, another one in the evening. Um, 30 minutes of physical activity per day, five days a week at least, is really a good indicator that you're getting yeah. the exercise you should need. Even gardening counts as exercise, right? Sure. So um, housework, you know, if you're vacuuming, maybe you have a two-story house. So just 
thinking about anything um, where you where you're moving. That's really the goal. Is there uh, you know vigorous exercise versus exercise? Is there a line we need to be like? Do we need to make sure and get our heart rate going a certain speed, or how does that all work? So I because I I have worked with children and trying to teach. Um, these mm-hmm. <laughs> these basic tips as well. And so a lot of times what I tell them, and it works for adults too, is if you can feel your heart pounding a little bit, doesn't have to be a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you're breathing, not too heavy, but like, wow, this, maybe I went up a flight of stairs a couple yeah. times and you're like, oh, wow, I can really feel that, right? Don't, don't feel like you have to overdo it. Just, you know, just try to get it in. Pre-diabetes can actually, or, or diabetes rather, can actually be a killer. Can you address maybe some of the things that diabetes does to your health as far as, uh, uh, you know, life? I mean, um, my cousin was a type 1, but it weakened his heart to the point he eventually passed away because diabetes weakened his heart. You know, there's a lot of research now that's coming out, especially since COVID, mm-hmm. that is um, everything ties together. And so... Diabetes does impact the heart. Um, it actually it impacts yeah. all your vital organs. Wow. And so your kidneys, right? Your eyes. Mm, um, it can affect your sight. Yes. Wow. And then, of course, the nerves in your feet. Mm-hmm. Your circu- Neuropathy, yeah. Your circulation in general. And so, and there's all kinds of complications, right, that come mm. from all those things. And um, so it's just really... It's just really important. I I come from a family that has a history of of diabetes. And so Hmm. that's probably why I'm so passionate about that, right? And so I know that I'm already at risk um, for heart attacks. I I have a parent that's had a couple of them. And so it really just goes back to, okay, I know my family history. um, And I know that that puts me at risk, even though I may not look like it, right? I, I have some indicators that are on that we talked about earlier and, and that's not, you know, it's, it's, it's just important to continue that healthy lifestyle. I I don't want to get too deep, but the truth is we are all here on earth and we get dealt a hand and sometimes like with your family history. Uh, or, you know, the genetics, I have, my parents are, are big people. And so, you know, I'm a big guy and uh, that's just the hand we were, it's not like we picked, you know, we, right. we, we were dealt a hand and we got to figure out a way to navigate this here planet we're on and, and, uh, deal with, deal with that kind of stuff. You know, I know some people, uh, boy, uh, Dr. Blodgett was talking about, there's a certain disease when you hit, I think he said 50 or 50, I, I think it's called Huntington's disease. Uh, you hit a certain age and you are going to, in the next five years, turn into basically a vegetable. And he said, there's absolutely nothing that science can do about that right now. He says, wow. imagine, I mean, would you want to know if you're 30 and your dad has it and he's about to, you know, turn into a vegetable, not be able to to walk or talk or anything. Would you want to know that, oh, by the way, you have it and you're going to be just like that? And that's one of those philosophical questions, who knows, but we all get dealt a hand. And I appreciate you coming on and addressing the fact that uh, this type 2 diabetes is is uh, something that's that's 
controllable, something that we can do something about. Because a lot of times, like I said, with health things, there's not a lot you can do about certain things. If you if your mom and dad both had cancer, your odds are pretty good you're going to have some form of cancer yourself. And uh, but, but with with diabetes, we can do something. That's awesome. Right. And and there are risk tests out there. Again, if you visit our website, that risk test yeah. is on there. You can reach out and, um, you know, provide you some more education on that. And you can even come to the health department. We do provide the, the A1Cs for a lower cost. If, oh, cool. But, but most insurances, it is covered as a preventative. Very cool. Let's take a real quick phone call. I know you have to leave in about a minute and a half. So okay. let's take a real quick phone call. Seth has been hanging on. Seth, you have a question for Christy? I'm a diabetic. Are you? I got gout. I've got something called metabolic disease. And the VA doctor said, you know, Seth, your blood, your blood sugar is up a little bit. Why don't we watch it? Next thing I know, I couldn't walk. Oh, wow. Okay. So... If you're pre-diabetic, I suggest you don't watch it. I, I suggest you do something. And what would you do? Number one, do admit, uh, intermittent fast. I lost 30 pounds. I drink half my body weight in distilled water. Wow. I lo- I'm in the process right now of lowering my uric acid. I can eat nothing with high fructose corn syrup. Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Other than that, I do believe if I can get the uric acid down that is triggered with with other things, but especially and high fructose corn syrup is in about everything. Yeah, it sure is. Unfortunately, nowadays it is in almost everything, isn't it? I got to let Christy go. She has a meeting she has to go to. But Christy, thanks for coming in today and kind of giving us an idea of, okay, we need to start being aware uh, because uh, type 2 diabetes is quickly turning into one of the big killers in the United States. It is. It is. So So hopefully, hopefully I can shed some light on some simple, easy lifestyle yeah. modifications that can help us. She's Christy Sharp, health educator with Southwest Utah Public Health Department. If you want to go to the website and learn more about prediabetes and diabetes, go to swuhealth.org. Christy, thanks again for coming in. Thank you so much, Andy. Great to talk to you today. We'll take a break. When we come back, more. Uh, actually, Jimmy Kesson is going to join me on the air. We talk politics a little bit. Stay tuned. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back to the program, 936 on KDXU. I've been late all day today, Jimmy. Sorry about that, but I'm glad you're on here. Thanks for coming in. Jimmy Keston joins me live on the air. It's good to talk with you again today. By the way, it's Andy Griffith's birthday. Well, so and do you know this song that I'm playing right yes. here? Has a name. It's called the Fishing Hole. The Fishing Hole. And now you, that I didn't know. If you search YouTube, you can actually see Andy Griffith with the guitar right. singing this song with lyrics. Right. Well, we wow. Yeah, with lyrics. That'd so, be cool. Yeah. Anyway, happy birthday, Andy Griffith. Uh, happy he's, birthday. He's Andy. been gone a while, but uh, he would have been 96 years old today. Very cool. So, That's right. Let's talk about before I forget. Uh, tomorrow night, 
Uh, Chris Stewart and Mike Lee will be in St. George at Vernon Worthen Park from 6 to 7.30. If you want to support Mike Lee and Chris Stewart, uh, come on out to the park. I'm going to be there, and we're just going to we're just going to uh, you know kind of a meet and greet. Nothing real fancy or formal. Just meet and greet. They'll probably give little speeches and and stuff. But, you bet. Uh, and they both they both are technically in a primary. Technically, and, and let's talk about that, Jimmy. Technically, in a primary, <laughs> you came on. I don't know a month or so ago and talked about uh, and pretty strongly, and I agree with you uh, about the fact that a lot of these people that are in the primary shouldn't be they went through the little loophole the the, the signature gathering thing some of them even right. paid to get signatures gathered so they could be which is on not uncommon yeah right you know and 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 of course everybody who's on the ballot in a primary uh uh, uh earn their right there legally so we you know i mean <laughs> they they nobody broke the, they didn't break the law to get a primary but he, i'm he a didn't, big caucus. he didn't do the air quotes yeah. earned their right it, yeah. i would have put air quotes around that <laughs> well those are hard to see on the radio yeah. uh, but um i'm a big caucus convention guy everybody knows that i yeah. believe that that is how we vet our candidates to make sure that we get uh, nominees who represent our values as republicans i've been opposed to the signature path and um and and really you should ask these house and uh, uh senate members in uh the utah legislature where they stand on that as you go to vote um mm. uh, and of course you know we had uh, fairly you know, Mike Lee at uh, state convention uh, was around seventy-two percent of the vote against uh, the two challengers yeah. that will be in the, the that are both on the ballot. There shouldn't be a primary. Um, you know, yeah, seventy-two percent. Yeah, so millions of dollars are going to be spent on a primary before he has to go to a general election, where he's uh, uh, where millions of dollars are going to be thrown at at Senator Lee uh, from the left to try to unseat him. And this is really it's kind of needless. With all yeah. due respect to uh, Ms. Edwards and Ms. Isom, who are on the ballot. Through through signatures, um, if you can't uh, uh, if if you can't keep a a candidate under seventy percent, yeah. when sixty percent is the actual threshold for the nomination, um, you know that uh, you have not resonated with the voters. And here locally, um, again, with all proper respect, and it is a primary, and people should vote their conscience. But um, Mrs. Pike in seventy four uh, got fifteen percent of the vote at convention um and uh neil walter uh in the final round was up over 70 percent uh um easily uh beating the third candidate who did not collect signatures um quinn denning and in 73 um uh, ms barnes nina barnes uh, got 11 percent of the vote 11 uh travis segmiller and colin jack were neck and neck and had both uh, uh earned a primary from the convention voters. Now, it's very, very important. If you live in 73, uh, since that happened, Travis Segmiller has dropped out of the race officially. In fact, tonight, uh, by under the bylaws of and the Constitution of the Republican Party, uh, the Washington County Republican Party was required to hold a special election to fill that seat with an interim person um, within 30 days of him dropping out and so that had to be done by tonight and um there will be a, at a county central committee meeting um it, it appears colin jack will be the interim 
uh, House member. But Ms. Barnes, again, 11% of the vote. She's on the ballot. But if you live in 73, these ballots are coming out, uh, and you will see uh, Representative Segmiller's name on the ballot. He has pulled out of the race. If you vote for Travis Segmiller in 73, that is a wasted vote. Um, it, there are only two candidates. There are only two candidates who can actually get the Republican nomination: Colin Jack, who was the overwhelming winner yeah. uh, at at convention, and Ms. Barnes. It'll be interesting to see Jimmy how many votes Segmiller gets when he's not actually running. Right. Uh, he's on the ballot. People are going to say, "Oh, I yeah, incumbent. I recognize him. I know right. that name." Is there going to be anything on the ballot that will indicate? That he's not running anymore. No, absolutely not. And that's the problem. Again, uh, uh, Travis has been a conservative uh, member of the House. He has a, a very good conservative voting record, mm-hmm. and uh, but he is not running. Most of those votes uh, would probably go to Colin Jack, who is uh, uh, the conservative uh, in this uh, race. Ms. Yeah. Barnes is more moderate to the, the center of the Republican Party. Um, and so... Um, she probably is happy that that name is on the ballot because any vote Travis gets is probably a vote that would have gone to Colin. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you should know if you live in 73, uh, Mr. Segmiller has dropped out of the race. He is not. Uh, uh, it, it, those votes will not count. Um, I, I don't know that you want to answer this or can't answer this, but did did Travis give a reason why he dropped out? I know he had some legal issues to deal with. I, well, I can only tell you, I can only tell you what uh, what has been officially put out by uh, uh, Travis. Uh, they are moving out of the district. He is not going to be ah. living in the district, okay. so it would be uh, um, you know um, he can't represent a district he doesn't live in. Yeah, and Good so point. that is uh, that's the official reason um okay. uh, and i can i can think of no other reason why he would drop out um you know he settled the issue with the the hunting thing and yeah. uh, and he's made his statement on that and uh, at convention voters weren't overwhelmingly uh, uh turned off by it but he uh, uh he has stated that he is going to be living outside of the district okay. and therefore would make him ineligible anyhow so i think it was actually um it would have been nice if he had known that in time to have before, his name yeah. off before the yeah. ballot. There was a deadline for uh, removing names from the ballot before they went to print. And unfortunately, his he didn't have the information necessary to make that decision before then, I would guess, because uh, he's not the kind of person who would who would do that intentionally. Let's go back to the signature thing. Yeah. Uh, we, we have... Uh Again, an overwhelming majority had picked a guy to be the guy to represent the Republican Party by, right. by caucus vote. Uh, and then you have these people that came in with signatures. There are a lot of, there are a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of details with that. Could it be that some people didn't vote for them knowing they were already, you know, probably going to get the signatures anyway? Well, that look, that's always the case, Randy. Uh, there are uh, Andy, not Randy. Excuse I don't know who Randy is. But, I don't either. But yeah. um, uh, the, <laughs> I was thinking of something else. Uh, it's always the case that there are going to be convention voters who will absolutely not vote for you if you went the signature path. Hmm. Um, so there's, you know, there's no way to quantify exactly how many uh, of our elected delegates. Remember, all of the people who vote at convention were elected by their neighbors to mm-hmm. do this job, mm-hmm. to vet the candidates, to ask the hard questions, and then uh, uh, select the one who's going to best represent our values. That is, uh, uh, that is the reason we have a caucus convention system and yes uh you can uh, you you can make the assumption safely that signature candidates 
tend to underperform at convention because people know. But, you know, we're talking some huge, huge numbers. It, it can't all be that. Right. Um, right. And, um, and, oh, by the way, we'd be remiss. Uh, we had the similar situation in, in Hurricane in, what is that, 72, um, Willie Billings had enough votes to win the nomination at convention uh it wasn't the landslide that it was in some of these other districts but mr ellison uh eliason excuse me um uh, was signatures um that race i understand is getting a little chippy out there in in hurricane um Mm. and while we're thinking of it uh if you are a supporter of either joe or willie and you're involved in the damaging and removal of uh uh signs campaign signs out there in hurricane uh stop it don't do that Uh, i know both these men personally neither of them would approve of your actions uh both of them would condemn you openly if they were sitting here uh uh, talking about it um in fact uh, throughout southern utah the 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 damaging and removal of campaign signs is becoming epidemic every election season and it's just you know just stop it and correct me if I'm wrong, every sign that is placed on a piece of property, they got permission from whoever owns that property to put the sign there. So it's not like it's not like they're just putting signs willy nilly, right? Right. Now there are certainly areas where you can put signs up that are not that are not that are public property that are you know where signs are allowed during campaign season with whatever restrictions the individual cities have but yeah these people are uh, uh, these signs are all where they're allowed to be and and I don't and um, or you know and and yet we still see a lot of them being uh, messed with and in That's all over bad. southern utah and it's really it's it's silliness it's silly all right we got to get a break in we come back more with jimmy we're talking local politics uh, again tomorrow night mike lee chris stewart the big guns uh, at worthen park should Senator, be fun yeah vernon worthen park six o'clock tomorrow night six to seven thirty your chance to meet a senator and a congressman and, and there should be cool. some of the local house people there also and and people running for those races you would expect that they would also be in attendance very cool all right we'll be right back hey stick around the sean hannity show with me sean hannity is next at one o'clock right now you are listening to my friend andy griffin right here on news radio 890 am 92.5 fm kdxu southern utah's news talk leader i have never met sean hannity i was gonna say i didn't realize you two were that close i did not either yeah i i sent him a script it didn't say that part the my friend part but he added that and uh, we have corresponded via email does that make us friends well yeah and then Uh, he's on he's on next which means he's not thinking too highly of clay and buck Well, he's on, he's on at 1 o'clock, but uh, yeah, it's Sean Hannity Show, 1 o'clock today. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in. Jimmy Keston is here with me on this uh, glorious Wednesday morning, the first day of June. Can you believe we killed five months already? In it is. We are, it, we are near the halfway point of the year, and it is a gorgeous day in Dixie. Yeah, I think uh, if we hit 90 today, I don't think we're, I think our highs are going to be 90 on from uh, the rest of June, July, August, maybe September too. So. Getting get to the good weather now. Yeah, yeah. I want to stay inside where it's air conditioning. That's what I want to do, Jimmy. Uh, I'll go play out. I'll go play golf in the summer heat. Keeps I, the riffraff off the golf course. I, I I remember once this was maybe ninety five or so nineteen ninety five. My my I was a sports editor of the Spectrum here in town. That was back when newspapers mattered, uh, and uh, my my uh, assistant editor and I decided to go golfing at three o'clock in the afternoon on uh, the first week of August. Yeah, buddy. And we went out to Sky Mountain 
in uh, in Hurricane. Gorgeous course. And we were the literally the only people on the course. We didn't rent a cart. We walked it. it Not going to get rushed. No, that's right. And we had all day. We could have played. We could have used a croquet mallet, and <laughs> nobody would have caught up to us. So, and the and, way, the and way it might I, have improved your game. I was going to say the way I golf, I probably would have scored better with a croquet mallet. I wouldn't have to go out in the weeds looking for the for the golf balls. So, uh, Jimmy Keston is here to talk politics with me uh, and some of the races. Uh, again, we're trying to unpack this whole signature thing. I'm trying to think of the mentality of a candidate. There probably were candidates who went. Okay, just in case, I'm going to use the signatures as a backup, right? right. There, were, there are a few of those, maybe. Yeah, you know, and, and a lot of people asked, and, and uh, uh, full disclosure, Senator Lee collected signatures. Hmm. Now, uh, uh, what uh, it turns out was the thought process behind it in the law that allows candidates to collect signatures in a state-wide race like that, where you need a pretty substantial number mm-hmm. of signatures to get on the ballot. A registered Republican has to be the one to sign the signature ballot, and you can only sign for one candidate. You can't sign total. Total. You can in in any particular race. So in that Senate race, you can only sign for one candidate. So we have three candidates who are collecting signatures are on the ballot: Ms. Isom, Ms. Edwards, and Senator Lee. Mm -hmm. But you could only sign for one of them. So the Lee camp said that one of the primary reasons why Senator Lee collected signatures, and of course we all know he didn't need them. He got seventy some odd percent of the vote. He probably knew that. But every single signature he got. Uh, was a signature that his opponents could not get, hmm. which would have made it much more difficult, which did would make it more difficult for them to even get to the threshold to get on the ballot. And if, and so the theory there was by getting uh, Republicans to sign for him, they couldn't sign for one of his opponents, and it could possibly have uh, kept some people off the ballot. I've heard some people say, well, if you pay pay someone to get those signatures you're basically buying your way into the primary is there some credence to that well i mean it's certainly uh, uh it's certainly logical it's hard to argue against that you are paying your way onto the ballot and mm-hmm. um certainly if you're paying someone to collect the signatures for you you're not having to go out there and uh, right. talk to voters yourself to do it um uh you know, I don't. Uh, I don't have the numbers on who paid for signatures, who didn't. But certainly in the big statewide races, that's pretty. That's become pretty common. Um, that has caused problems in other states, as some of these signature gathering companies uh, uh, aren't careful about whose signatures they get. So you get a lot of invalid signatures. Mm, there was one candidate. I forget the state. I was reading uh, last week. Um, is probably not going to be on the ballot because so many of his signatures that he paid for were disqualified. Sounds like maybe Illinois or, or, or Pennsylvania or something like that. But anyway, we, we don't know. Uh, is there any chance that any of the signature candidates that made it now to the primary because they collected signatures actually wins? Well, I mean, there's always a chance. We would certainly expect that Mike Lee is safe uh, uh, through the primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, down here, it's, you know, uh, um, you would expect that these races will be closer in a primary than they were at convention. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, particularly for the more moderate candidates that um, that didn't do very well, you know, they can run a campaign where you're basically... Uh, 
um, looking at 30-second sound bites and social media posts, mm-hmm. and you're not having to answer uh, hard questions. Uh, you, you're getting a message out that you've crafted um, Ms. Barnes, for instance, in, in 73. And again, I'm not endorsing or speaking against any candidate, just talking facts. I'm on the state central committee. I don't endorse candidates. At, 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 it's not my position to do that. But you know, there were a few. There were at least a couple of debates that were set up that Ms. Barnes no showed for, um, including the one run by the Republican Washington County Republican women, and the one run by the Washington County Republican Party. So um, wow. uh, that and she opted not to go. So Colin Jack was uh, uh, debating an empty chair, um, which. which- would would give you an indication, not for sure, and like I said, you're not endorsing anyone. Nope. That maybe this candidate isn't that interested in winning, or that interested in answering questions. Mm, uh, yeah, or both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or both. Okay. Any other races? Where we get down to the last cu- couple of minutes. Any other things we need to be aware of as we approach? I think is it June. Give me the date again. On I the think it's, uh, it ended June twenty. Is it twenty eighth, sixth, or twenty eighth? Yeah, uh, right ballots anyway. should be in the mail shortly. Yeah. And um, and of course. Uh, there are plenty of opportunities to uh, local opportunities to get in front of these candidates to talk to the candidates. We just really want to encourage people to make sure that they know uh, where these candidates stand, especially on the issues that matter to us here in Southern Utah. Uh, before you uh, cast that ballot, and again in '73, uh, Travis Miller, his name is on the ballot, but he is not running. He, that would be a wasted vote. Uh, you've got Willie Billings and Joe Eliason out in Hurricane. I think it's Elison, by the way. Elison. I think that's how he okay. said it. Because his son used to play football. Ah, okay. So, uh, well, and I know Adley, Ad, his son Adley's on the state central committee yeah. with us. Yeah, he was the football kid. player back in the day at Hurricane. Wow. Quarterback and receiver. So. Oh, hey then. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Billings and Elison. That'll be uh, maybe right. the. Walter and Pike. Yeah. May, that might be the 74. closest race, though, the, the Billings and Elison, right? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we really don't have polling uh, right. uh, down here that, that would give us any accurate numbers. Um, um, uh, it's always hard to tell. I, I wouldn't, um, if you're a Neil Walter supporter, I wouldn't sleep on that race in, uh, uh, in 74 against Christy Pike, uh, uh, wife of the former St. George mayor. Right. Um, we would expect that she'll certainly do better in the primary than she did at convention. You know, yeah, you would think, you would think, but you never know. Uh, okay, so folks, again, we're kind of. I think this is a rallying cry. We complain about things. We don't like the way something happened, either locally or on a national level. Yeah. Now is your opportunity to say, okay, you might be down to a couple of choices, but you can say, all right, what does this guy believe, and what does this guy or gal believe. And then support that person. Ask the questions, because there are a lot of issues that affect us here. And it's not like someone's going to you know, blow off a giant horn to remind you to get this information. Right. Um, but we are, uh, we are certainly, uh, uh, um, we, we, these votes matter. There are important issues at the state level. Yeah. Um, local politics ma- does matter. And we encourage everyone to vote, but be an educated voter. Talk to these candidates. Yeah, find out how they feel about Ask the hard questions. Critical race theory. And if, they, and if they're whatever. avoiding answering yeah. questions, that's an answer in itself, isn't it? It, it actually really is. Uh, I do, again, want to wish happy birthday to Andy Griffith today. He's passed away, but always be remembered as a pretty good TV dad. And, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to blow we're gonna blow the horn here. In this. Thank you, Jimmy. appreciate it. Jimmy, thanks for coming on today. It's always a, a joy, Andy, anytime. All right, I'm going to blow that cruise horn. I really, and then we'll get one more qualifier today. Here's the cruise horn. Mm-hmm.